Welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is Steve Nelson, who talked to me about his uh, longtime love of poetry. Uh, And I came into this um, kind of nervous just because, uh, as I tell Steve at some point during the podcast, I've never really been a poetry person. I've never really uh, had an appreciation for it. I, I think I just didn't really i don't think i was taught it very well going through school um which is something we kind of talk about a decent amount is uh how it's taught and uh uh the the perception of it that you have as a kid growing up um so i don't know i just i never i never got it um and now i I think i have a deeper appreciation for it just from steve um talking to me about it and why it means so much to him and uh, I, I really, really enjoyed this. Steve's a great, funny, uh, passionate person, incredible improviser, um, and is just very in tune with, uh, I think, his own artistic tendencies and those of uh, the performers around him and uh, the community in general. Um, just a great guy to to pick the brain of, and I was very glad to have him uh, for this wonderful, wonderful episode. Uh, so I, I don't want to, um, belabor the point anymore. I want you guys to, uh, get into this cause I really loved it. Um, uh, I was going to take next week off. It is Christmas Eve, uh, would be the day that I would typically release a podcast, but I, uh, I have, I had a, um, brainstorm moment, I guess, of, uh, a guest that I, uh, wanted to get uh, in touch with, and it worked out. So I have kind of a a special little Christmas gift for next week that I think will be a lot of fun. Um, so look forward to that. I may still take um, the week after that off, which I believe would be New Year's Eve. But who knows, guys? You know, you don't need to know. It's, you're, you're in the here and now. I'm the one thinking ahead. It's my my duty. Uh, to keep doing this and my absolute pleasure. Uh, so look forward to that and also look forward to this weekend when, uh, the annoyance Christmas pageant that I've been plugging for the last few weeks comes to a close, uh, on Friday at eight at the annoyance theater and Sunday at three o'clock in the afternoon at the annoyance theater will be the last two performances of, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer performed by a live cast, uh, yes, they are live versions of those beloved Christmas specials, um, and I play a myriad of characters, and it's a lot of fun, especially for youngsters and those young at heart. Um, so, if you're interested in that at all, come check it out. And you know what? Uh, enjoy these last few days of uh, of pre-Christmas uh, uh fun and parties and camaraderie 
and uh, spirit. Um, it's a nice time of year, and uh, uh, it's definitely been the kind of year, and especially the last few months, where um, drawing close to those we love and being thankful for what we have in the face of uh, some... Um, less than ideal things going on around us and in the world at the time, uh, is, is good and important. So, um, be thankful for what you have and, uh, think about what your verse will be about. Hey, yeah, I did it. All right. Enough of that. More of this. Enjoy my wonderful guest, Steve Nelson. Was at the very end of this article that was just very silly about like it was like Channing Tatum writes emails exactly like you think Channing Tatum I saw writes that. emails. I yeah, I read it because and I was about that. I was curious. It, it, it that was just like mentioned at the very end of the uh, of the Channing Tatum um, like piece. Um, but I was curious. I was like, what am I supposed to think? How am I supposed to think Jenny Tatum writes emails? And it was basically just, it was an email that was in response to when 22 Jump Street became the second highest uh, opening weekend of any R-rated comedy, unseating um, Ted. Okay. And the whole body of the email was just, fuck yeah, fuck you, Ted. Like, <laughs> and then he was like, 22 Jump Street forever, motherfucker. And then it was just like pages and pages of all caps laughing, like ha 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 ha. And so, of course, the highest comment in the comment section was like, "You know, it took him hours to type out all those ha's because <laughs> you know Channing Tatum didn't copy and paste them." Yeah. But right at the end of the article is when they also mentioned that in the same, in like a similar chain of emails. There, they like leaked the concept of men in black meets combining combining men in black. <clears throat> They're two lucrative franchises. They are, but I feel like one, it's just a certain terrible idea. Two, it would be exactly what you're just saying of like the men in black franchise, for all intents and purposes, is dead. Yeah, I was listening to uh, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy that played Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black Three? Oh, I have no idea. It's Josh Brolin. Oh, Josh Brolin, yeah, Josh yeah. Josh Brolin yeah, was yeah. on Terry Gross, and he was talking like, and it's they, were, funny they as... were actually talking about *The Men in Black* three as if it was like, like Terry <laughs> Gross is talking movie. about. Well, Terry Gross is like, and what was your process doing your like no, to get into no, the character no, of Tommy no, Lee Jones? And I want to be like, no. and he was like very like, oh, I was did this and this, and I was just like, why are we talking about yeah, this movie? You know, especially when you're talking to Josh Brolin, who's been in like so many things where you could actually talk to him. About, Interestingly, about character yeah. and <laughs> why are you talking about this trash movie? Uh, you should talk to him about. Um, did you ever see You Will Meet a Tall Dark Stranger? No, it was the Woody Allen movie that he was cast as the lead in. Ugh. Talk about garbage movies. Yeah. Was it a 90s <laughs> one? Or was, a no, it came out in like 20 either 09 or 2010. I think I saw it. I think one of the reasons I saw it is because. Again, I had just moved to Chicago, and I was all I was doing was just like watching movies and talking about movies and listening to film spotting and uh, trying to make friends. Um, and uh, I went to see it by myself up in Evanston at that really nice theater, and uh, I was just like, oh, "That was terrible." And uh, he was just so miscast. Like he was he was playing a writer, and he was supposed to be this like very down, you know, a, a down and out writer, being yeah. that yeah, yeah, and like. 
God, he was so miscast. It was not good. I, I mean, I don't think that Woody Allen makes good movies anymore. I can't. I mean, I liked Midnight in Paris. I liked everyone in the supporting cast of that. Yeah, that's like, fair. They were doing the historical characters, but I, mm-hmm. I hated Owen Wilson. I and I thought Rachel McAdams. I was Rachel like, Rachel McAdams. This is not a real person. That's easily my the worst part of that movie. Yeah. It, it's borderline unwatchable. I totally agree with you on yeah. that. And it's not her. No, 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 like, no. It's the way you the wrote this like a shrew that doesn't exist. She's awful. Yeah. And I really like Rachel McAdams. Me too. It was hard to see her play such an unlikable character. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. But other than that, like, what has he done in even the last, like, ten years? That's uh, also trash. <laughs> I feel like, you know, and they're like, everyone, people that, like, fans of his, like, talk about, like, oh, he's got such discipline and all this stuff. And it's mm. like, well, he can write a screenplay in a year, but, like, it's crap. It's not a good movie. Yeah. And also, I've heard a lot that he doesn't, he's not a very hands-on director. Yeah, he doesn't give anybody direction. So it's like, how... How driven are you if you're not actually doing very much work? <laughs> That's kind of how I see it. Did you see Blue Jasmine? Yes. I felt like that one, I didn't like it. And one of the things that I thought was especially telling about this, previous, like that wasn't in other movies, was like, there were some shots that were really weird. Yes. Like, like the pickups that he shot were like, the person would be like not looking where they're supposed to be looking. Yeah, yeah. especially there was there was a scene towards the end. I think Andrew Dice Clay isn't in very many scenes. Mm-hmm. There's a scene towards the end with him and uh, Kate Beckinsale or fucking Blanchett. Kate Blanchett's character. Um, that was like it looked like it was on like a green screen. Yeah, like it looked bad. Yeah, it just like it. I I thought she was amazing in it, but I mean she's just a really good actress, sure. you know. Like, uh, and it was an interesting, you know, role for her to play. But I agree with you; it, a lot of the rest of it didn't really work for me. I thought she did a good performance, but I was just like, why do I care about this yeah, person? Yeah. I don't care. I, and like, I, she could play this. It's an incredible performance to embody this thing, but it's like ultimately, like, I don't care at all about mm-hmm. this awful awful human Mm -hmm. it's funny um i feel like i had a conversation with thomas kelly where he said essentially the same thing not it wasn't as bad a person he just um didn't care about the character the he didn't care about lewin davis yeah inside lewin davis and i really liked that movie but in talking to him about it i could totally see where he was coming from and the and the phrase he said about it was he said he felt like the whole movie was a bunch of sour candies being packaged up and uh, someone trying to sell them to him as though it was sweet. Yeah. Like, and I was like, whoa, it was this like really cool sentence that I think you could probably describe a decent amount of, uh, of those types of like, uh, anti protagonists, uh, with that kind of sentence. It's almost, I think it's similar with Blue Jasmine. Yeah, is like absolutely. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Well, I th- and I think that's such a, it's such a trend now, you know, mm-hmm. like so many movies have that kind of thing. Like you could say Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, I think some, for me sometimes, and I think I diagnosed it to be like, I like a more traditional narrative. Yeah, I remember that, like, saying that. I have to root for at least one person. If not, then it's like, it could be shot beautifully, you know, the, the performances could be great, but if, like, I don't care if anyone lives or fucking dies in it, then I'm then, not, I don't care. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, I was trying to think, I just saw something like that recently where I was supposed to care about people and I didn't at all. 
Um, but I'm not going to be able to remember what it was. But yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I, I don't know. Nightcrawler just worked for me, man. Sure. No, a lot of people would do. Uh, uh, but I can I can totally see it not working. I can totally see not getting into that. Like, um, I mean, he's obviously a horrendous person, yeah. and you're never told anything. But I the thing is, I think that I liked that about it, and that's the aspect of it that like made it work way less for you. It was like, yeah. why is this person the way that he is? Yeah, there were that like I don't need backstory, but give me some inclination why? Right. Because if not, then he's just a psychopath, right? And if he's a psychopath, then we then I can't feel any empathy or, or identify with him in any way. Right. So then it's just like um, a video game or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's and especially with the Rene Russo stuff, it's like you have to, I have to see the angles on this thing or else it's like, this is unwatchable, mm-hmm. you know, to be like the, the manipulation that he like has with her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. There are definitely, man, I just, uh, that, like Mexican restaurant scene makes my skin crawl thinking about it. Yeah. Like, woof. What? It's just rough. Like he's, I think he, I think he is, I think he is a psychopath or at least a sociopath. Um, I don't think you're really given any indication to the contrary of that, but it's all like, I mean, he wins. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's, Which it's is hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an intriguing, you know, character and the, you know, I, I enjoyed the fact that like we get to see this kind of particular, you know, underground that I didn't even know really existed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, but I think I just wanted something else mm-hmm. to, you know, like just maybe some a other, little more of that partner or something like that. Yeah. Or so, the, yeah, too. Yeah, and I feel like, yeah. And he, I thought he, the, that actor was good, but yeah, I mean, so maybe we see him at home or see what his like, yeah. and not a lot. That's a good point. And I yeah, feel like that was just the like things. one other scene. Where yeah. See. Just a little something so I could get a little more dimension of it so that there's stakes. But even when he does, it's like, I don't even know anything about him. So yeah, you know, uh, really, really quickly, uh, have you seen any of the comeback, the Lisa Kudrow HBO show? I've heard it's great. It. I just finished the first season last night, and her character, the lead, is an absolutely deplorable person. Just terrible, terrible, terrible. And somehow you root for her, and one of the most interesting things about the last few episodes... I, I started the first episode of the second season today and it's like completely different because they actually did the like 10 year time jump that happened between the two seasons Mm -hmm. which is totally interesting and cool um and uh but one of the most interesting things about the show is uh laura silverman plays the producer of her reality show so laura silverman is very clearly the audience entrance point and by the end of the first season the relationship that they've built between laura silverman and lisa kudrow's characters is so interesting because laura silverman's character also obviously doesn't like her but you see her sympathizing with her and relating to her and like wanting her to succeed in these small ways and and like her own her success is also laura silverman's character's success because she's the producer it's such a fascinating exploration of like a a protagonist that you don't like i think and uh 
especially, and I love seeing that it's like two really strong female characters being played by two really strong female actresses, like er, female actresses, female actors. It's, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. I'm so excited to watch the rest of the second season. Anyway, it felt pertinent. (laughs) That's a good, I mean, yeah, I think you need those examples to balance it out. Yeah. It's just like, because it does, it does, it's a, it's a, new kind of narrative structure Mm -hmm. and it certainly works in some respects i mean i would say even like in a way michael scott you know yeah sure you know but is like that yeah and then and it also makes the moments where michael scott were the like good things that he does even more like poignant and heartbreaking and like seeing him be just endlessly supportive of people even when it's like misplaced and terrible yeah is, uh, well, I think you get those. That's why it works is because you mm-hmm. get those. And, and with a TV show, it's easier because you yes, can play the long exactly. game. Exactly. And I think it's becoming more popular in TV shows yeah. to have unlikable protagonists yeah. uh, in general. But but that's a really good point that it, with TV, you get every facet of the story. Um and I'm now remembering that we started talking, we got into that discussion in, when we were discussing uh, Nightcrawler on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I think I brought in TV examples. Yeah. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I look up the comeback. It's so good. I can't recommend it enough. I was so surprised by how much I liked it. Like, I I never watched Friends. I don't really know much Lisa Kudrow. Um, so I didn't really know how to feel about her coming in. And she just nails the character it's it's really really impressive um and then like watching the first 10 minutes of the of season two and how like they've all aged 10 years it's like all the same actors but their characters have also aged 10 years it's so interesting i can't wait uh i'll stop talking about it it's boring (laughs) at this point because you haven't seen it and i'm just going on and on and saying the same things my guest today is steven elson Uh, and thank you so much thank for you, coming and yeah. chatting with me. Yeah. I've been looking forward to it. Me too. Um, and thank you for supporting the podcast in the past too. Of course. It's really sweet. Uh, uh, Steve is going to talk to me about his love of poetry, mm-hmm. uh, reading and writing, I would assume. Yeah. All mm-hmm. aspects therein. Yeah. Teaching or being taught. I don't know. Yeah, I've never taught anyone. Right, 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 right. I have been taught. I think that's more what I meant than the former. Uh, What's the origin of your love for poetry? Um, Well, the first poem I can remember hearing was I was playing video games in my basement. I was probably like uh, 10 or 11 or something, and I was listening to The Outsiders on the book on tape while I was playing That is so funny. Uh, and especially that, like, from my perception of you as a person, of course that's something you were doing when you were 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I almost, I was a big into video games for a long time, but I almost exclusively would, like, listen to book on, books on tape that while I played. That is so, like... <laughs> I'm impressively intellectual. <laughs> well, it's just like, well, you know, like, uh, yeah. But, uh. It's so, it's also funny that you love video games, but you didn't really care enough about the story of them to be Well, it was always like, that. yeah, I'm significantly younger than you, so it was like, there wasn't much story to be had in any oh, games. Oh, I guess that's true. You know, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, it was all like the same 10 seconds of a score repeated over and over again. <laughs> I guess that's over. true. Like Sonic. But I was going to say, know, oh, okay, okay. Like so Sonic we're talking, Streets of Rage. We're talking Nintendo then, like, games. Yeah, Sega games. Or Sega games. Mm-hmm. But, Excuse uh, me. <laughs> yeah, so this is the book on Bless tape. You. And then I'm sure I'm sure most people know the book, The Outsiders. But, you know, towards the end of it, you know, it's like this Romeo and Juliet thing. The Socias and the, and the Greasers. Socias? You're not I'm not familiar with the outsiders. Yeah, so it's like uh, I'm not very well read. <laughs> you had to like read it in middle school. A lot of people I didn't did. Know too. Um, I mean, I'm sure it was struck from the curriculum because it was like so dated, even when I read it. But you know, the, did you have to? Were you? Would you listen to books that you had to read for school? No, this okay. was like we. I think we were supposed to read it like a couple years. Oh, later I was gonna say, but, yeah, that would have been a little younger than middle school aged. Um, but so the. Main character is this guy named Pony Boy, and his friend. <laughs> I get that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, you're, 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 yeah. So uh, his friend Johnny, they like save some kids from a burning church, and Johnny gets like hospitalized, and he's about to die, and he says, "Stay gold, Pony Boy." Uh, and then he like John Johnny had written him this letter that's like talks about this Robert Frost poem, "Nothing Gold Can Stay," and. Uh, and, you know, it's talking... I have it. It's, oh, yeah? I, I printed off a bunch of stuff. <gasps> yes! Case, um, to For context. I love it. Um, Please. This is it. Nothing gold can stay. <clears throat> Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down today. Nothing gold can stay. <laughs> And so, like, in the book... That's great. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, Johnny's, like... He's talking about the gold, like, when you're a kid. So stay gold, pony boy. You know, oh, my gosh. Um, so I heard that, and I was like, oh, man, that's so, like... So uh, deep. Yeah, so deep. You know, so, so interesting. And so then I, like, got a Robert Frost anthology and started reading his poems and stuff like that. So that seems like, like a, a pretty traditional entry point all oh, in all. Yeah, I mean, I feel like any, that's probably the first poem, you know, yeah, 80% of people in two, our generation. Two roads. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was either that or something um, Emily Dickinson for me. Sure. I feel like it might have been a, um, I remember an early, like, poetry uh, experience being, is it called, I was there in the room or something like that? It's about a some being in the present for someone's death. Sure. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that that seems like one of my first. Um, but yeah, Robert Frost. Yeah. Totes. So he, I mean, he's still my favorite poet. But I was. That's like, awesome. Yeah, I got hardcore into him. That's great. First, yeah. Uh, where do you feel like it went from there? Um, well, then you know, got into like English class in middle school and high school, and then you know started reading some other poems, and then. Uh, Read another Robert Frost poem, Fire and Ice, mm-hmm. uh, which is like one of my favorites. And and then we like, I think I wrote a limerick <laughs> for like some freshman year of high school project. Yeah. Uh, and then we started getting Emily Dickinson and I really like that. And then I took a creative writing class my junior year of high school. And so that's when I started like writing poetry. Gotcha. Yeah. Junior year. Yeah, I feel like that later in high school when you start really getting into electives and kind of actually figuring out what kinds of things you like. Yeah. Because that was also when I started... I mean, I took um, chemistry when I was a sophomore. 
And when I took it, I was like, I think I'm going to like this. And then I totally liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I do, I mean, it's still so, I, I feel like I've been thinking a lot about, like, um, uh, like, encouraging young people to find what they're passionate about or just people encouraging people to find what they're passionate about instead of encouraging them to figure out what they want to do mm-hmm. like as a precursor as opposed to like just forcing them into something that they think they want to do i don't know that's neither here nor there yeah but. no i think yeah i mean i was I took that I locked it yeah because I was just like oh I, I, I'm kind of interested in this this is something I think and I, I did that like. like through college too it was like just taking once a semester or something like that what did you major course. I was a theater major okay yeah. yeah but I think yeah everyone should do that everyone should like find out what their interests are and to be able to like speak about that or you know really delve into that you know I went to my 10 year high school reunion um uh, last summer or two summers ago and like I was asking a couple people like what's the funnest thing you did this last month and it was just like this these two women who were like the coolest hipster girls at my of my graduating class that's so funny they were like went to Redbox it was like the coolest thing Redbox the funnest thing that you did this festival was go to Redbox going to a Redbox and picking out a movie yeah and I was like that's crazy wow yeah Wow! Not even the movie that they chose, the act of going to the Red Box. That's what they said. And they were kind of like, I feel like they were very like stunned by the question. Yeah. Which I was like... That's that's fun. That's funny because when you said that you were asking that question, I was like, oh, in that uh, environment, I bet that was an oddly stifling question for a lot of people. But for me, I'd be like, oh man, where do I begin? You yeah. Know? <laughs> Totally. Well, I feel like, yeah, for us, it's an easy, a very mm-hmm. easy question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, for the, the, a lot of the people that I went to high school with, it was like, could not, it was a very difficult question to, yeah. to answer. Yeah. I think, I, th- I think about that a decent amount. Um, especially as you get older and like farther removed from my high school friends and some of my college friends. And, uh, and I, I have a friend who works for the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and she's, like, one of my only other friends from college who I feel like kind of did something similar that I did. Sure. Where she just, like, saw a thing that she was passionate about that she thought she might be able to pursue and did, and it's, like, hard sometimes, and she's, like, broke a lot because even though she works for them, it's, like, long hours for not much pay and but she seems like she just couldn't be like happier and more fulfilled and i'm sure if you asked her that question she would have an awesome answer for it you know what i mean and she's also super into like uh equestrian sports she like has a a horse down there in tampa bay with her too and so i i think i see people like her and it's like okay it's not just that i'm doing what i'm doing you can still you can do something else and be passionate about it and be happy and be living a fulfilling life like yeah well i think it's not even like i mean we all have day jobs you know yeah right 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 but it's like if you have that one even one thing or two things you know like uh, my uh college roommate is like my best friend lives in austin and he works in insurance but he has like <clears throat> you know 
loves his dog, has a motorcycle, and is like constantly tinkering with it and putting stuff on it. Yeah. He, you know, he plays music. Yeah. He has like a really, you know, he's really into gardening and stuff like that. So it's like, I think if you have even just one of those things, like to sustain you, mm-hmm. you know, but to like, if you literally have no, and even it's just definitely. like, even just reading, you know, yeah. even if you're like, I like to, I go home, I work, I, I go home, I have my significant other, and then I yeah. read. You know, like, if you were like, the best thing was like, I read this great book, and be like, that's cool. totally legit. let's talk about that awesome yeah. book you like. But it's like, I go home, I watch reality TV, she, TV that I really don't like. And, and just watch it because it's something to talk about my coworkers with yeah. or something like that. Or it's that. like it's on. Or it's just I have on, time yeah. to kill before I go to sleep. Right. You know? Yeah, it's yeah, like, man. I think about that so much. Even if it, I think about it also, it's just like, even if, you know, you go to your day job and you come home and watch crappy reality television, but then you, like, cook yourself a delicious meal sure. and, like, get into cooking or whatever your thing is. I mean, that's one of the reasons I started this is because I was, like, interested in knowing what that thing was for people. Totally. Uh, and it's been really cool. And uh, I love that you're you're posed that question to people. Yeah. Only to oh, I only for a couple of people because then when I was getting the answers, I was like, oh, no. I'm not gonna. I can't do this anymore. Well, it's just be like it's so disheartening, you <laughs> right. know, to be like, oh man. But yeah, so right. I, I only asked like four people that. Yeah, and then, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a um, one of my best. I have like ten, like really close circle of really close circle of like 10 friends from high school we still have this like facebook email chain has been going since we graduated from uh high school and uh um one of my friend most of my friends partially because i went to like a specifically science and math school about half of them have been to like some either um grad school or like three or four of them are either like finishing up med school or like still in med school and uh one of my friends from that group sent me uh like a message outside of the um of the thread uh because he went to west point is like in the army oh wow and is like uh really really passionate about it and and just this completely different thing than any of the rest of his friends and i think part of the reason he like reached out to me was to say that was to be like Hey, it seems like we're both doing completely different things from all the rest of our friends. And then he said, but also, uh, he's like, basically, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like we're both really happy with what we're doing. And I was like, absolutely, man. (laughs) So I think think it's going to open a little bit of a cool conversation between the two of us. Yeah. And it, like, couldn't be more different things. Yeah, totally. So it's really interesting to think about stuff like that. I don't think it's totally off topic. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) It connects. Yeah. Um, so, after... So, you took creative writing your junior year. You feel like you did that a decent amount in electives in college as well? Yeah. Well, I took... Um, yeah, my the creative writing class, and we wrote, like, three poems and a short story. And I really liked it, and I really liked hearing other people's work and trying to figure it out. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like that could be a killer for it. I mean, some people were really bad. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Uh, And one of my one of my best guy friends who was in the class with me, um, he like plagiarized his first poem (gasps) from the internet. Yeah, Uh, is this poem called like I'm sure like people can Google, but it's like drunk I stand. It's like like a funny poem. Uh, It's like it's called drunk I stand, and it's like 
the whole thing is just like mixing up words and stuff. Gotcha. Like that. But oh my gosh! But yeah. So not only did he plagiarize a poem, he also plagiarized a clever poem. <laughs> yeah. But it's like so if he could find it in you know 2000 when this right. was like it's it would have been easily findable for, right. by our teacher and she oh. did find it. <laughs> oh, um, no, on the first one. Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah. Rookie mistake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and that was good, and then I think, if you want to play the the clip from Dead Poets Society, I think it was in high school or something like that. I'm sure I saw it, this might have been before I actually took class, but I think this... Room, Combined with yeah, just like already... Kind of burgeoning knowledge exactly. of it, you know? And I feel like that this... That was exactly the word I was going to use, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, it, you know, it's kind of a slow process, but I think this was definitely like... I think this, what we're about to play is like... You get a, it's a very good, I mean, it's kind of too on the nose and in hindsight, the movie's kind of cutesy, Mm -hmm. uh, especially about poetry, which can be pretentious anyway, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it. Oh yeah. We should definitely talk about that. Um, but I feel like it's good to, it captures like how enlivening it can be, I think. It's kind of uh, undercuts it, but they like he. There's like an iPad commercial with that in it. That, oh, like, just, really? Just came out no, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. That sounds terrible. But, and, and also uh, in line with what we were just talking about. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Exactly. Like I said, I hadn't watched it. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> I mean, I've seen Dead Poets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, but. Uh, well, and like after that, and also I just remember this too. Is like in high school around this time there were a couple. This guy named Ryan Green, who I really looked up to, is really artistic, both with writing and with uh, visual art. And, you know, I was kind of a square, you know. And, That's so funny. Uh, yeah. And, but I, like, really liked him. And, I, you know, like, we kind of connected. And, you know, he was, like, smoking pot and stuff like that when we were 14 and 15 years old. And he was in this band with the, and he had all older friends and stuff. Oh, man. So he, he was, was a total, like... Squares cool kid yeah. is what you're describing. Yeah. So he uh, and he also had like he they they liked this movie and or they liked it at Poet Society and they had like Ryan would bring 
he had like a copy of Leaves of Grass by mm-hmm. Walt Whitman, which mm-hmm. I got, and I didn't really like him, and I found it kind of like Walt Whitman in general, kind of too archaic for me. Yeah, personally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could totally relate to that in being, uh, you know, assigned Walt Whitman to read because yeah. we either had to read all of Leaves of Grass or at least like a large portion of it, which I think is probably a pretty common assignment. Yeah, um, but. Like, with that, like, you know, I think that, too, like, reading that and then seeing him recite it to be like, oh, if it's spoken, you can, it can really bring some life into some things. And for some of it, especially early on, to be like, this makes so much more sense hearing someone read it as opposed to, like, me reading it. I don't understand, especially early on, like, you learn how to read cadence and meter and, like, where to take a pause, where to emphasize, you know, stuff like that. That's so interesting and something I definitely wouldn't have thought of, but I bet, because I was totally turned off by poetry because of a lot of things that you just said of, like, not really getting it. Like, I, I remember even saying that to people, like, even when I was probably old enough to have like had a better appreciation for it i think i was just like man i just don't get poetry like what's it all about (laughs) like i never understand it you know and and it's like every once in a while with the right poem in the right class and the right teacher if you're kind of if you were dissecting it in an interesting way yes i'd be like oh this is cool and you know I, there, the, I would say those were more for me the exception than the rule, though. Well, I think you know it's just like reading novels or something like that. You have to find out what you know. It's find out the things that you like because, mm-hmm. like reading, especially I feel like early on, even just straight fiction, there'd be like it's some not stuff that's like, or it's just like this is a, such a chore if yes. you're not like interested. Yeah, Oof. and I think it's great harder. expectations. Hardest yeah. book I've ever read. I hate that. <laughs> it sucks. I hate that. <laughs> Uh, and I think poetry, it's even more difficult to find those things that resonate That's with That's a really good point. Because um, it's a little, you know, it doesn't have genres that you can really, and each, Define. there are like styles, but it's not like, oh, this is more of a narrative personal type of poet. Yeah. Like you, you don't, you know, you, you don't know it unless you know poetry and read it. And I'm sure within certain poets, they're probably, they probably employ a decent amount of different styles. Totally. Yeah. Whereas most novelists wouldn't. Uh, you know, with some exceptions, obviously, sure. but most novelists are, you know, have their genre, uh, horror, horror, or science fiction, sci-fi, or, yeah. or whatever, whatever. Uh, yeah, and I think I think Robert people get into Robert Frost too because it's it's relatively accessible, mm-hmm. and a lot of his stuff is like there's some funny stuff, mm-hmm. you know, or like it's all a lot of it's really short, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of it rhymes, so mm-hmm. like it's it's easier to all access, of that's accessible. You know? But I think oh. he's also very good about like taking, you know, pinpointing some moment and presenting it to you so that you can discover something about it that you don't know. And I think ultimately, like, that's what I like about poetry in general is to being able to, like, take experience that you couldn't necessarily describe in prose and then be able to understand, you know, kind of like something that is difficult or impossible to describe. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, What an... What a lovely summation. And I think also along the same lines of that, like, what's your verse? Yeah. Uh, uh, in in the grand scheme of things. of um, Yeah, like, what is a life if not a, something that is uh, <laughs> described in a way that only a, 
you know, in, in, you know, that speech, it's essentially like you can't describe a life without using something poetic. Yeah. Uh, or like you, you, everyone is unique and has their own unique experience. Do you want to share that? Do you want to make your mark? And what does that look like if you do? You mm-hmm. know? Um, and poetry is a good vehicle, you know, to do that. And that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you, did you find yourself writing a lot of poetry recreationally as you were getting older? No. So the teacher thing too, I think like, I don't know if I ever had a very good teacher for writing. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I liked about the classes that I took is that of the structure to be like, you have this assignment, you have to turn something in or like write a poem about this or, you know, this is what you have to accomplish in this assignment to give me some kind of structure and discipline. And that's what something I was very hard for me to find, you know, was, it, it's just the discipline to write. I always wanted to write. I always really enjoyed writing. And then, you know, like for the most part, enjoyed my finished products, mm-hmm. but it was just like, I just had no drive yeah. to do it. Yeah. And so like, especially with something like that, how it, it almost, I mean, like you said earlier, uh, I would think it would almost feel pretentious Yeah. to, especially when you're first starting out to just be like, I'm going to write a poem. Like mm. how, how does that make any, like, I was going to say normal person feel, but I don't want to imply that sure. people who choose to write poetry are <laughs> abnormal. Well, it's also with writing in general. I think too, you want to, that in some ways you don't want to write, or at least I had a problem writing into a vacuum but if i'm writing yeah. where i'm going to read this in front of the class or i'm yeah. determined and get a critique on it that made sense right you know? i think that i think that also would probably add to the pretentious aspect of it it's like what am i doing this for yeah myself or, well then what's the point yeah well i'm not even pretending just to be futile too yeah to be like, that's fair um you know like what i'm writing this you know the, so it'll sit in a book. Yeah, or whatever. I'll ever read it. And I think, especially, I mean, I think I've gone through a couple of phases of stuff I like to write about it, but especially like in high school, it was all pretty jokey stuff. Oh, it was really? Like very absurd. You know, I never rhymed. It was all kind of like rambling stream of consciousness. You know, that's so funny. Like, like beat. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, but I tried to be like funny or not or that or juxtaposing silly yeah exactly yeah uh that's so that's great i i mean i definitely um i at some point uh read for pleasure an entire book of e.e cummings poems uh just because i think that like that his kind of uh, anarchy, like, was way more interesting to me than most other poetry I had read. Um, but something about that feels, um, a little cheap. Like, he, I don't know. Some, it's, it's almost like E. Cummings being one of your favorite poets is like M.C. Escher being one of your favorite artists. You know what I mean? It just feels easy and different and patterns and lack of patterns and things like that. Well, I think he, I got into him late high school, early high school. Uh, uh, this woman I was dating, she, we were like, she was a senior in, in high school when I was a freshman in college. And so we would send a bunch of letters to each other. I was, was like, I was before we about, had cell phones too. Okay. But she sent me E.E. E. Cummings Achieving the Together Colored Instant, which is kind of like a hot, you know, poem. <laughs> and then I kind of like got into him too. But I think him and the beats too, and I got in real hardcore into the beats, especially Kerouac, some of the Dharma, which is like all experimental stream of consciousness, like okay. a huge, thick book, okay. um, uh, early college. But I think that is one of those things too, that it's, it's, 
you know, like reading Catcher in the Rye or something, it's specific to your to a to a period in your growth That's as a human. Probably that very it really true. speaks to you at the time, but like now going back as adults reading E. Cummings or Jack Kerouac, it's like this is crap, it's or this ter- is pretentious, or yeah, like yeah. Uh, it doesn't really hold up. But at that time, you're in, a, you know, that kind of very vivid, you know, um, point I, of development. Sort I, of, like, really that's like, so funny uh, because I think this totally supports your theory. Uh, I think it, that was around the same time that I was super into Ray Bradbury. I was just like screaming through Ray Bradbury books. I think I went through a, like I don't. Uh, no, I was a weird kid overall, but, like, I don't think I was as weird as maybe, like, being super into Ray Bradbury books would indicate, but I also, like, I don't know, loved wolves and <laughs> sure. was a total nerd, yeah. um, so maybe I'm just trying to be defensive of something that isn't necessary. No, but We uh, all had our weird, you know, kinks and stuff yeah, when we were growing up. phases and, mm-hmm. and interests, uh... But there was some stuff that was just, like, too weird for me. I think that's more what I'm getting at, is that I I couldn't... There were definitely things that would have been considered, like, super weird and absurd that were still like, ooh, I don't get this. I'm not into it. But, you know, the E. Cummings, Ray Bradbury's of the world were still accessible enough for my weird side. (laughs) Well, I think I was, like, I went to a... um the high school that I went to had like a creative and performing arts program. Cool. And then, yeah, I was a theater major in college. So like the arts was always kind of in there, you know, mm-hmm. so I didn't, you know, there was never any, no one any ever would like, they would be like so ostracized if anyone was like, uh, judging anyone for like the things they liked. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think I, it's funny because I almost, I had a similar experience, but when I went to the math and science school, yeah. it was like, um, it was the first time I had ever really felt totally free to just like, like the things I liked and sure. be, be like more true to myself and really come into my own. Cause I think I was still so preoccupied with like what everyone else thought of me before that. Sure. And, uh, just like being the smart kid. And, uh, and then it was like, oh, there's a bunch of nerdy, smart people here. I have to find another thing that makes me interesting. All right. <laughs> I can do this. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was definitely very, um, uh, you know, very important time in my development as a human being. And I had two really cool, really different English teachers while I was there too. Um, uh, I can't remember how much poetry we did in either of those classes, though, so it's probably not worth explaining too much. Um, so, once you, when do you feel like you started writing more uh, recreationally? Because I know you, that's something that you do a good bit now. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say like in college, I was like, oh, you said you you started trading poems with the your girlfriend mm-hmm. that you're dating when you were first started college. Yeah, and so and then I like. Start smoking pot all the time and like taking mushrooms and stuff. So you know, like I got it more into Kerouac and the and the Beats and like Ginsburg and stuff like that. And also like started to see, uh, you know, or just notice poetry in movies and stuff. Oh, um, like there's this. I have a couple things that I Please. think I want to read, but like there's this. Uh, <laughs> there's a poem in G.I. Jane. <laughs> what? The Vigo Mortensen. Uh, <laughs> He recites um, that I that I saw at the time, which I was like, "Oh, it's cool. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> it's called self pity. <laughs> I try to do it like Vigo does that in the movie. 
I never saw a wild thing sorry for itself. A small bird will drop frozen dead from a bough without ever having felt sorry for itself. Is the whole poem? Yeah, that's it. That's by D.H. Lawrence. <laughs> How great. Uh, but I like... You What's know, the context of that in the movie? He's he's like... Have you seen the movie? I don't think so. If well, I so have, it's, it's been a very long time. Well, so he's the, 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 the trainer of these uh, Navy SEALs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Demi Moore is like the first person... The only The first thing. woman yeah, yeah, yeah. to do she it. And so he, head, I'm Yeah. What, and, uh, and so it's just like during a training sequence, they're all like totally strung out and like, you know, oh, doing all these athletics. And so he's supposed like... Supposed to be like encouraging. Yeah. No, it's supposed to be like, you know... Uh, have don't pity yourself. Like uh, you know, like do what I tell you. You know, like I guess that's uh, what I meant by encouraging. Was yeah. like fucking suck it up. Yeah, levels. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then I also saw this movie Slam. Uh, I think I've heard of it, but I've definitely never seen it. It stars this guy Saul Williams, who is kind of like credited, I think, for being like one of the godfathers of of um, slam poetry. Interesting. Um, and he's like. Uh, you know, goes to prison and, um, you know, like, uh, uses poetry and like stuff like that to work through stuff or whatever. Uh, it's about him. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it's like a, you know, he wrote it and like, I don't know if he directed it or, oh. but, you know, but I mean, it's a fictitious movie, but, gotcha. but he uses all, it's kind of like semi-autobiographic. Gotcha. 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 Um, but around college too, my sister sent me this, this poem, which like really I liked and it's his, uh, Saul Williams, <clears throat> I rushed home from life to life asleep, my dreams waiting to not be remembered, my days remembered past, and I yearn for the strength and courage to sucker punch moments so that they may swell and ripen black and blue like sweetest night. That's great. And it's called Slam too? The movie's called Slam. Or the movie's called Slam. Yeah. This is from like some selection that he has and none of the poems in it have uh any titles yeah gotcha 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 um and then the other movie i had around the same time as uh in the bedroom uh and then this part that we're gonna play really like yeah of which I may not speak. There are dreams that cannot die. There are thoughts that make the strong heart weak and bring a pallor into the cheek and a mist before the eye. And the words of that fatal song come over me like a chill. boy's will is the wind's will. 
thoughts of youth are long, long thoughts. Okay, you got the two. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. It's great. It's a great movie, and like in the context of the whole. Yeah, I was gonna ask if you wanted to put it into context. Well, so the it, you know they're playing this poker game, and Tom Wilkinson is the star, and him and Sissy Space. I'm just gonna kind of ruin it or not ruin it, but uh, a little bit of spoiler. But uh, so their son is killed. Um, That's kind of. Yeah. What you have to assume from yeah. that clip. So, and then there's a poker game earlier, and that guy who recites the poetry is like, whenever uh, Tom Wilkinson is like, you know, he can't decide if he's going to bet or not, he'll start quoting, you know, Longfellow or, or some other poet. Tom Wilkinson does. No, the other guy. Oh, the other guy. The other guy. Uh, to like egg him on, you know. Uh, and so like, you know, and so, you know, him and Sissy, Tom Wilkinson and Sissy Spacek are like, t- obviously totally fucked and like, are, you know, like really hard, just, you know. To, to work, like, what are they going to do or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so this is a scene shortly after they, like, find out. And so, like, he, you know, they're, like, egging him on. Or, you know, like, Tom Wilkinson is, like, treat me like normal. Yeah, they, they're not, no one's addressing it. And they, yeah, yeah of course. And so, and I, it is so. Elephant, like, classic elephant in the room. Classic elephant in the room bit. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and then that verse is just so perfect. And it's the, 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 gorgeous. the way he reads, or the way he recites. And Tom it, Wilkinson's like, reaction is amazing, too. Yeah, and it's, I like, mean, just what he needs, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just another one of those moments too it's like really it really captures something that is like with normal dialogue or normal prose you You wouldn't necessarily have this it would be too elusive you know but with or too uh too on the nose exactly too direct yeah 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 yeah. um because if he had gone into some speech about you know we can get all get through this or you know whatever it is right or like like, you know people die or like even boys blah 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 uh it totally wouldn't have had the same effect. Do you think that's one of the reasons why this is one of your favorite movies? Yeah. Is I mean, because of... The, the first time I watched it is that there's, like, so many moments in it. Like, Tom Wilkinson and Sissy Spacek are incredible. Really? But I like that, watch it. The first time I saw it, that was, like, what stuck... I mean, it really, like, set me back. And, like, I'm sure I cried the first time I saw it, too. Uh, that, that scene. And, uh, yeah, and that's when I was, like, hooked, you know? And, and then, it, like, after repeated... You feel like, like you were already hooked on the movie or on... Uh, poetry, the oh. the movie. Okay, okay. Um, but I think too that was like a very influential moment to to and some of these other movies like, um, you know, like you reading poetry alone in your room or something like that. You don't really realize or get a sense of what the impact can be. But something like this, you're like, wow, like yeah. this this can be, you know, can really function in an artistic way in an emotional way. You know that really. Um, that nothing else can do. I think that the best way for me to relate to that and appreciate that as an idea is um, with music. Sure. As opposed to poetry, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, you know, a little more in general accessible uh, and just like more my inclinations. I'm a total like musical uh, person like literally musicals um, like interest me and I like them um, and that's like you know that's the crux of good of a good you know, musical is that the song starts when words can't express how you're feeling anymore exactly. yeah and I think that there are uh, similar um, inclinations there 
uh, and I, there are so many movies that I like or moments in movies that I like that involve, um, going to a song instead of words. Um, I really, I don't know how you feel about it, but I really love the movie Stranger Than Fiction. I love that it's, movie. It's, it, when you were talking about your top five earlier, it's probably in mine. Sure. It's one of my very favorite movies. I've seen it way more than I've seen. I don't rewatch movies very often. I'm kind of a late game uh, movie person. Sure. So I still feel like I'm always catching up. So I don't like rewatching movies because there's just so much more I haven't seen, but there's a few things that I can just endlessly revisit. And uh, there's a scene in that movie where Will Ferrell um, comes over to Maggie Gyllenhaal's house for the first time, and he brings her... First of all, he brings her different types of flour because she's a baker, and he brings her flowers, and it's just like, uh, it should be so, like, treacly, but it works so well for me. And then he just starts playing... Uh, the, you know, when I was a young boy, it's so, so good. I'm getting chills just thinking about that it. That scene is incredible. I, I think see, that's, it's I, that could perfect. be my, that could be one of my rotators. Really? I've seen, I've seen oh, that, like, that 15, makes me feel times. so great. Yeah. I love But that scene is like, yeah, it's one of those things too. Yeah, exactly. Like where you just get those chills up your spine and he starts playing it, like starts playing the guitar first playing. and then he sends it. And then the, the actual song like, yes, kicks as in. they start yeah. like making out. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm so glad you but like Exactly. It. And that's one of those, that's I think when poetry works really well or whatever, but I think they function, like you said, the exact same way, but like There's, you feel like, yes. so, you know, energized by yes. this thing to be like, this is a perfect thing. This yes. totally encapsulates what's going on. I couldn't describe and it to you. There's so few words before that. And all the words before that don't matter at all. If there are words before that, it's very like, um, it's still very sterile and, you know, matter of fact. And even though there's so much going on and that just like breaks everything open. And like you said, it, the actual song starts playing. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. I love that movie. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and that I think, but I do think one of the reasons I like it so much is because of the like message at the end, which is something that we've been talking about a lot of like finding the joy in the small moments in your life is, is like, uh, is more important than, you know, the finding your, you know, Fender Stratocaster yeah. and your Bavarian sugar cookies or your nice rich wristwatch or whatever it is are like, are the, the things that save your life. Yeah. Uh, which I think is so great, man. Love that movie. <laughs> it's probably, I would also say it's probably one of my rotators. I'd yeah. say I have a solid like top four ish and it's, it's around, it's around the four or five mark. I saw it with my sister and one of her friends from high school and her fr- her her friend's sister. And I went into it. We saw it in the theater in Rockford. And I was like, this movie is incredible. I love yeah. it. And uh, my sister kind of liked it. And the other two, um, Kate and her sister, did not like it at all. Uh, and I was like, I cannot. That's heartbreaking. Well, it was also one of the, like, I couldn't even understand. Like, I was yeah. so, like, in the flush of seeing it for the first time. So I was like... So like overwhelmed, yeah. yeah and I, I was just like, I can't even understand how you. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it was okay, you know, whatever. What did we watch the same movie? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I watched it at home. I like rented it with my mom, and my mom was like doing something else, like folding laundry or something like that. But she was kind of watching, and when I finished it, I was just crying, and like I, it was one of I've done this with maybe 
five movies in my whole life where I finished the movie and I just wanted to restart it and immediately watch it again. And it was, that was one of them. Yeah. I was just, and I think I even did. Like, I just thought it was so good. I was just like, I had to experience this again. This is the whole cast, the writing, everything it has to say. Spot on. Love that movie. That's great. Uh, TJ Jagodowski. Yeah, he's in it. Yeah. Peter Gross. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just remember that uh, kind of after the fact. Because most of it's shot in Chicago, too, I think. All of it, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. And that was like way before I'd even thought about moving to Chicago. So I think the first time I watched it after I moved here, I was just like, oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh. Just like I know that weird office building. Yeah. The brown line. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Man. Um... But another thing that emphasizes the themes of like, um, of of the importance of fiction. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, um. So there was something. Oh, I was gonna say earlier that um, I feel like poetry, especially for a lot of young people when they're growing up all stems out of, like, writing bad poetry for a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Especially, I feel like males, that's such a, like, stereotypical thing of writing all this poetry about a girl you love Mm -hmm. and being melodramatic. Yeah. uh, Do you ever feel like you went through phases like that? No. Really? I mean, I don't think I wrote... Yeah, no. I mean, I didn't... I only wrote stuff... For classes. For class. And so... You know, I wrote like three poems in high school and three poems in, in college. And, um, but yeah, in college, the teacher was better. She's more produ- pro- like proactive. She was like a writer herself, you know. And so that was good. And she was pretty challenging. And I thought, like, I had a couple things that I wrote that I thought were good. And she, that was like, when I took that class junior year, is when I really started to broaden and read more po- poetry. Because she would gotcha. bring in examples of a, like a very eclectic mix of people. And so that's when I and started to more be able to discover what you're referring to before, uh, like what you like, things you like totally. And there's this guy, William Carlos Williams. Uh, I've heard of William Carlos Williams yeah, for sure. He's great. Um, I'm, uh, th- this is, um, th- this is like probably most famous poem. I think, uh, uh, it's called, this is just to say, uh, I have eaten the plums that were in the ice box and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me. They were delicious. So sweet. And so cold. <laughs> and evidently he like wrote it and put it on his fridge for his wife. That's so great. Yeah. Um, but, so that was really good. And then the first poem that I wrote that I thought was like decent, which I have here. I'll read Please. It. Yeah. It's about. Was this a college poem? This is a college poem. I couldn't, I didn't have any of my. Uh, high school, high school poems. Oh, yeah, because they were been, uh, they were been like absolute garbage, <laughs> and I don't think this is very good either. But I think it's good for context. But this is it's called smokeless, and it's about do dip, I like tobacco. Of course, <clears throat> smokeless tobacco. Yeah, I deposit it gingerly between two like necessities and salivate. A waterfall of drool escapes through a crack. A polluted spring. I wretch brown bile, one of the seven personality fluids. The camel passes time incessantly, gumming an imaginary nipple. Real addiction, the oral fetish. Fluid flees a cleft chin. Stars double bells, a sound that isn't. Oh, I love it! (laughs) What is it? One of the seven... 
Personality fluids. Personality fluids. Yeah. Oh, great. A camel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Do yeah. you remember what the assignment was? No, I think, I, I don't know if we had specific things for that one, but it was just like we each brought poems and then workshopped them and stuff like that. So it wasn't, at that point, I didn't need to be told what to what to write or how to write it. Just that like, you have to write a poem. Oh. Gotcha. You know, and like, That's so funny. you have to bring it on Tuesday's class or you get an F. You know? So if you had somehow been able to like, you know, make that kind of rule for you so yourself, you probably would have written more. I think so. I mean, I, well, you know, it was college too and I was young and I was yeah. like into partying and stuff like that. Busy. So I just didn't have any, I wasn't that busy, but I was just, like, oh, you know, lazy. Not, yeah. That's just didn't have the discipline. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I had the desire to write, but not the compulsion to write. You know, gotcha. uh, I liked, I think the idea of writing mm-hmm. more than I liked writing. That's you funny. Know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sure when you had to sit down and write a smoke list, you're just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do for this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like, I don't think, I mean, like, I liked doing it when, but it was always like, you know, it was just like writing a paper or a something chore. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then once it was like done and refining it and like reading that in front of the class, was, it was like, cool. I was like, oh, I have to do this more. This is the fun part. Cool. You know, okay. Whatever. Cool. So like once you get over the the barrier everything else was enjoyable yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense uh how do you find uh what do you feel like your writing habits are now yeah well so after college i probably didn't write much um until did you go to chicago right after college yeah came here in 2006 um and then i was here started improv and moved back to Rockford. Really? In 2007, yeah. Lived in Rockford for three years, commuting. Wow. To classes and then to Jesus. do shows and stuff. Uh, yeah. And then, and then kind of where, where, where it kind of took off was that I was dating this woman, and she wrote poems, kind of like funny poems or like fun poems. And she had a blog, and she would sometimes post poems in her blog. And I was like working as a teller in Rockford. And so I'd be like, check her blog to check like Jeff Griggs's blog. I'd be all over the Chicago improv network. Just like looking gotcha. for, looking for stuff to connect me to the Chicago improv of scene. Of course. Stuff. Yeah. And so then I started a blog and then, you know, I, after writing in that for a while, kind of like working up the discipline to write stuff, you know, um, cause I had a reason to, and yeah. a vehicle a place to put it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, and then I st- started posting poems or I like wrote one poem and I was like, that felt good. I like that. And then I like made a commitment to be like to myself to be like, I want to post something every single day. Cause I was like, there was cool. nothing that got on my nerves more is like reading people's blogs, but then like them not Weeks being consistent. Later. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or yeah. Whatever. Um, so this is the first poem I posted on my blog that was like, I felt like this is okay. <laughs> or at least the last line I feel good about. This is the first one that you posted or this is the first one that you liked? This is the first one I posted. Oh, okay, okay. It, I don't think it's very good, but... <laughs> and I took a... You know, and I think the other thing, too, and you could relate it to improv or music or whatever, like, you start off emulating the people that you like. Sure. So this is called Dust and Snow, which is also the title of a Robert Frost poem. <clears throat> Many people have gone before us. Life is a wheel that turns. <laughs> Within us, our hearts burn. (laughs) Secret highways extend on and on. Whose path do we walk upon? Our own, we hope, but do not know. There are many things that can be said for snow. Oh, that's nice. That is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But a lot of it was like, 
especially I would say the first year. So I started posting him semi-frequently. Um, and a lot of it was like about nature, um, because Robert Frost wrote a right. so I'd be like, you know, and I also post pictures of of stuff where I take a picture and like try to write a we'll poem. Write a poem about it. It's like a lot of flowers and trees and stuff like that, and like that's a, a great like, uh, exercise. Yeah, well, it's good to give you some some structure mm-hmm. to be like, okay, a jumping off point. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not finding inspiration externally, then you invent it. Um, you know, hmm. uh, but I'll, but I'll, I would say like the first year, you know, and I think writing in general, you know, like you. I've, I've, my journey has been kind of like now I write like a, one poem every week, mm-hmm. and I've probably been doing that for like a year and a half, two years. That's so cool. Um, and, but I was kind of like building up to it. And the first year I would say of of writing, like 2011 or 2010, 2011, like mm-hmm. for every one poem that I was like felt decent about, there were nine other ones that were like garbage. <laughs> you know, because it was like very trite kind of, yeah. you know, like stuff about flowers and like. Water glistening on Beauty. flower petters and all this stuff, yeah. Without really saying anything, just regurgitating these platitudes. But I feel like as I've gone on, you know, with writing in general and poetry specifically, you have like I have this specific idea that I'm going for, and on a, if I'm really going after it, I can get like 95 percent of what my idea of the cool. thing is. You know, and if I because you've worked at it enough to yeah. be able to translate whatever that. Yeah, is into to try to like evoke either this situation that happened or this funny idea you have or to, to capture what the snow is like falling, you mm-hmm. know, on the first snowfall in Chicago or whatever, cool. whatever it is, you know, and whereas before it'd be like, I'm getting, or like, I'm sure you get inspiration from riding your bike and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ride a motorcycle or, right, or right. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, anywhere, you know, and that's a lot of thing as I'm riding more, I'm, you know, I can recognize Finding it more. Exactly. And so it's like, you know, now on a bad time, I'll probably get like, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm really struggling to kind of get the poem out, it'll be like 70, 75% of what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but that's been, a, I was going to say, which still ain't bad odds. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> which I'm very proud of to, yeah. be like, to be able to say that, you know, but that's like after four years of writing poetry. That's you know? so cool. That is awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think that's really, like, interesting and, and inspirational and such a good lesson. I mean, I, I feel like you could easily say the same thing just about sketch writing. Absolutely. When I've applied, I feel like the same thing. And they've been kind of mutually complimentary to write, like, funny stuff or sketches or short stories or whatever it is. Like, if you have a – if you're just writing and writing and writing and writing, whatever the medium, I think you have that – you have that same percentage thing Mm -hmm. you're going to have, you know, and I think you could even equate it to improv when you start out. Like, you know, you have a great show, then you have nine shitty shows and that's going to be smaller and smaller. Improv for sure is all about hit ratio. I mean, not all about hit ratio, but like when you're talking about good improv, you're talking about increasing your hit ratio. Um, and, uh, but yeah, especially in, in comparing sketch writing, for me anyway, in my journey, and I'm like ugh, a year into sketch writing, and, and even then I don't do it often enough if I really want to keep getting better at it. Um, and But I'm also bad about not doing it unless, because I am in a sketch group and often only find myself writing sketches when it's like, all right, guys, we have a show. We need to write this. Yeah. Um, but I definitely do feel like my senses are more honed for things that I want to write about. 
I'm finally starting to get to a place. Cause I feel like for a while for me where writing was concerned, I was just like, I don't know what to write. And totally. I feel, I feel like I'm finally getting to a point where things start to like pique my interest of like, Oh, I definitely want to write about this. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I wrote a, a really, um, Basically, it's basically just like a series of blackouts uh, that we're probably not going to end up using, at least for... We're working on our um, sketchfest show right now. Um, but because this... God, idiot. Like, I'm going to say kid, because he has to have been like 20, if that, uh, who was working on a um, uh, video shoot that I did. And I never met the guy, so I didn't like say anything to him, but... We were talking about Interstellar, and he came up, and he was like, oh, you guys are talking about Interstellar? We are like, yeah, because everyone in the group had, had seen it, so it was like easy to have an actual conversation about it, and he walked up, and he was like, oh, well, I haven't seen it yet, and so he like kind of started to walk away, and then he, he kind of like leaned back in and was like, did you guys see Gone Girl? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I, just the way he said the sentence, I was like, I'm not going to like this conversation. And about two or three of the people who were already there were like, yeah, you know, I saw it. And uh, I think everyone else kind of felt similarly to I did, had pretty, like, cool feelings about it. Sure. Um, but he definitely was, like, very eager to, to talk about it. And one of the other guys, Sean Price, uh, was like, uh, um... Yeah, I saw it. Did you did you like it or how did you feel about it? And he was like, "Oh, I loved it. Fincher's back," which I was like, Fincher's "Did back. he leave?" He literally said that, and I was like, "Oh boy." He said, "Oh yeah," and he just like, and then, and I think the first thing he said was Fincher's back, and then he said, "But not a movie to take your girlfriend to. Don't want her getting any ideas." And I, Ugh. in my brain, just like. And I was just like, I just like clenched my fist and like kind of shook my head and didn't really say anything because I didn't even know what to say. Uh, but basically, the series of blackouts was just like um, other movies. So it's like, uh, you know, the Cujo, not a movie to take your dog to. Don't uh, want him getting like any that. ideas, yeah. right? So it's That's just great. like, uh, just like the absurdity of that sentence transformed into and that guy and that. And that guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I think it's pertinent to the story that as we were leaving, he was like, all right, time to go and put on a trench coat and a fedora. And I was like, oh, you idiot kid. I just want to shake you and be like, I don't know what what will help you at this point, but something has to shake you out of this yeah. because it's absurd. You're trying too hard. Yeah. Trying way too hard. It's absurd. Wow. <laughs> I knew you would uh, relate to my utter frustration Ugh, with that. I would have said something to him. I was like, get out of here, dude. I just didn't even know how. I just didn't even know how. I was just like, I think I did kind of mutter something like, oh, it wasn't enough. But I think I said something like, oh, man, yeah, you're right. Like, just like sarcastically, yeah. but I don't think it really. The guys like that don't It wasn't going to hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think at least one other person around me had a similar reaction to it, but I never got to actually like talk to them about it. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those things where if it was someone I knew better, I absolutely would have engaged them yeah, in the conversation but some about stranger. it. But it's just some dude I had just met and may never see again. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some like I don't know if he's in film school or what, or if he just like likes making stuff like that. But he had basically been like a hired hand on the shoot. Oh okay. Uh, so I was just like. 
<laughs> Fincher's back. Fincher's back. I was like, where did he? Was, yeah. The last two movies he made were uh, very universally critically yeah. loved. Uh, you could have said that like in 2004. You know, Maybe. Like, yeah. Couldn't really say it. He's been on a string of successes. Yeah, I was like, the maybe the only movie he's made in the last, like, like you said, like 10 years that wasn't totally universally critically lauded was The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And even then, it got multiple Oscar nominations and probably some wins in there. Yeah. So it's like, he never left, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, but also, what an absurd thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> he was terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, just... Um, uh, interesting, terrible story, but also... Inspiration. Inspiration. Yeah. Absolutely inspiration. As soon as he said it, I was like, ooh, <laughs> I have so many problems with this. Because I also felt inspired by the movie in a lot of ways. Just in the sense that I was like, why don't I like this? So I just like kept thinking about it and listening to things about it and like exploring it a lot. Well, I think that's another function, too, of it. You know, like, when... You're writing more. You're finding more success in your writing. You find more inspiration to write more, and then it goes well. You know what I mean? I think it kind of feeds itself. And kind of like to this point, too, is like, you know, from the beginning for me, too, like writing in general and poetry, like I found it a way to combat things like that, too. If I had something to say about a situation or about a circumstance to, like, use that as a platform to, you know, pass judgment or to, like you know, to bring some kind of justice to whatever. Yeah. That was totally, yeah, that totally became my reaction to it was just like, what would I have said if I could like, or how do I turn this, you know? Yeah. 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 Into something that's like, can't you see how absurd this, like holding up a mirror to it? Totally. Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely relate to that, that, uh, inspiration aspect of things. Which is cool. Like, it's something I never really expected as an artist um, to, which, ugh, even just saying that sounds pretentious, but it's not. Like, we are artists. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, in one way or another. Um, I don't know. I think that was a cool, that has been a cool discovery for me, even in the last, like, few months of my life, which is, is makes me remember how much I still am like growing and learning in this community and the things that we're doing. Well, I think you, I think if you're doing, if you're in a good place, you always are, you know, you're always searching for that, um, next project or the next challenge or the next mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And as long as you're open and, and you know, you'll, you'll be provided those like moments that mm-hmm. spark something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and those, you know, and then, doing the work about those things, it's, that's where you get growth. You yeah. know, to be like, you have this shitty thing with this idiot in a trench coat, yeah. you write stuff about it, put oh. it up, and move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even just having written it made me feel better about it and like yeah. talking to people about it and being like, isn't this absurd? And everyone being like, Yes, that's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. It's it's funny. The places it it feels Sometimes I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but like I often find myself wanting to write about things that frustrate me as opposed to things that like positively inspire me. Sure. I think it's easier to to 
Um, I try to do both, you know, because um, you can get. I found myself at times in ruts of like, I would say like um, a year and a half ago or something, like spring of 2013. I felt like I was in a string of writing about like the stuff I was writing about was pretty dark, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so for like months and months, like six months straight. You know? Wow. Um, and not that I was in a particularly dark place, but I that's was going to ask fu- if yeah. you felt that way. No, really. Uh, but that's just where I was finding it. But then at a certain point too, you're like, well, okay, well it's a little, I find it harder to, if you're trying to, you know, at least with poetry, you know, if you're trying to describe something, you know, if you're trying to describe romantic love or familial love or friendship, those are much more ethereal and difficult to, to find, to find, or, you know, what movements do you elucidate or what, what do you say about this thing? That's ultimately positive and joyous and whatever. It's kind of harder and can, it's a lot easier to be trite when you're trying to describe those things. Whereas opposed to like, um, for example, I wrote a poem a couple, a while ago about like having this really awkward conversation with the next outside of Thunderdome. This is like a couple months ago. Like that's an easy thing. Cause it was like, uncomfortable and weird. You and know you knew I mean? exactly. You could pinpoint every uncomfortable feeling. Exactly. As opposed to like, how can I describe the ease and comfort of, you know, like watching Parks and Rec with Nicole on the couch, <laughs> you know, while we like, uh, have a pizza or something, yeah. you know what I mean? Or whatever. Uh, like, yeah. uh, you know, which is amazing and great, you know, and fulfilling. That sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But, it, but it's a little more difficult to, to, to pinpoint. And because like, my relationship with her or with friends, you know, like it's a long stream. It's a, it's a very long thing as opposed to like frustrating and aggravating events. Sure. You know, like if it's just this, this minute and a half on the train where the, I almost wanted to hit this guy in the face. Yeah. That's a lot easier to encapsulate that moment. Yeah. 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 Man, that is a great point. I totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what, that's, that's why it's, like that's why we're drawn to that because it seems it's so much more clear. Mm-hmm. And I think like trying to write about more other stuff or more positive stuff uh, is just a little more, more difficult. Of a yeah, yeah. I I had a I found this thing um, that I had as like my phone background for a while, and it just said uh, support what you love instead of bashing what you hate, um, which I think is is pertinent here. And then. Uh, a few like months after I found it, um, I noticed that uh, Paul Jerowitz had it set as his phone background as uh-huh. well, and it like touched me so much because it was like it was almost as though I had like supported this like mantra that I loved so much that like someone else had chosen up to like it. pick it up as a thing that they wanted to support, which felt awesome (laughs) it was just like this little and i don't even think i ever like said anything to him about it sure i think i just like noticed it and like internally it was just like oh cool (laughs) sweet yeah yeah yeah. that's awesome but i like i was positive that or maybe not positive i was fairly certain that he had found it as a result of like me having seeing it on your phone or something Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. totally Mm -hmm. so that was cool Uh, and yeah, it's, I think it's funny that you bring up, that you brought up Parks and Rec in talking about the, uh, uh, like the positive sweet moments of your life. Cause I think that's the strength of that show for me and why totally. it means so much to me is because it is such a positive, um, 
like supportive show and community and I love that about it so much and it inspires me to you know to live that mantra to like the support be supportive of the things you love instead of like writing mean mean comedy for lack of a better yeah well and I think you could see that show like you know it's a little more there's a more finesse involved in that kind yeah. of thing you know that's more of like a, my movement and teacher my movement teacher in college would be like that's a more of a you know, a wave as opposed to like a slash. You know, like, like just the tone, the feel of that show is, mm-hmm. is much more kind of ephemeral as opposed to like anger and ang- angry comedy, you know, is much more direct mm-hmm. and biting. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately I don't think is as fulfilling. Mm-hmm. You know? um, yeah. I don't so either. I think, and I think it really shows in the effect that the show has had and like the fan base and everything they're starting to see as they, as they rap. Um, but anyway, I could talk about that for way too long. If I did MBSing, I would talk about Parks and Recreation. Uh, you gotta do it sometime. Which I think I've said on the show before, yeah. so everybody's just gonna keep hearing me say that until I actually do it. I probably will. Um, I mean, I could probably do just like a clip show of all the times I've talked about it. <laughs> Smash cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, with... Um, Let's see. I have had the pleasure of seeing you share some of your poetry uh, in our run that we were doing at The Annoyance. Um, and I loved, uh, selfishly, the anti-comedies. I, <laughs> I love them it. so much. I'll read this one. <clears throat> so I wrote this after, I feel like, this is two years ago or something, and I wrote it because it was, I feel like, I think it's better now, but I feel like there was a a big push towards like really being in your face into comedy, and so I wrote this like kind of in response. To I totally agree with you. Yeah, anti comedy. <clears throat> I'm a poo poo train conductor, and I live in a garbage house. My house is made of diapers that all the little babies poo poo and pee pee in. It's stinky. Every morning, I roll out of all the used poo poo and pee pee diapers and go down to the poo poo train station for a long day of work on the fart furnace. I eat beans all day and fart all kinds of farts in the fart furnace to make the train go. The stinkiest farts make the train go the fastest. Those are the farts I fart into the fart furnace all day long. Sometimes, when I'm on my lunch break, I still have to fart, so I run to the end of the train and fart out the caboose to speed up the train like a rocket. The train is all made of poop, so everyone who rides it is stinky all day long. Poop, poop, pee, pee, stink, stink, stunk. And I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Uh, I wrote it like in a very aggressive. Like yeah. I was, mad. I had seen this show, and I was like, I hate this show. Uh, this makes me mad. A sketch show? Yeah, I won't say what's what it was. Uh, Will you tell me off, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping you'd say yeah. yes. <laughs> and and I wrote that in response to it, thinking, like, I'm going to write the stupidest thing I can write. Right. And this is so dumb, and I hate that people like this. Right. And then, you know, it was two years ago or two and a half years. I think it was, like, whatever. It was a while ago. And then I read it at Quencher's because um, Nicole went with me, and she uh, had said, like, you know, like, you should uh, – vary up your pace a little bit. I had read some stuff and one of the pieces was, was, um, had more of a clip pace and she was like, it was good to change up the rhythm. So I was like, what else do I have that I know that I'll read in a different rhythm? So I read that at Quencher's and it got a huge reaction. It's so funny. And, uh, but like, obviously the stupidest funny. 
And I was like shocked kind of that, that it got such a reaction. And like with the space of two years time, I was like, I really liked it. I oh, liked reading that's it. That's so funny. Yeah. And then. That yeah. story makes sense based on like the title and the nature of it. Because I was really curious when you read it of like what what that inspiration was. Yeah. And I found like, you know, and I don't know whether it was like the community in general kind of went, they went real far at that point and then kind of went back or it was like my comedic taste broadened because you were uh, watching it so much. because I was watching a lot more of it and the people that were doing it a lot were getting better at it or yes, whatever. I'm uh, sure that is a contributing factor yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's a piece I really like reading now cause it gets, it's fun and it's stupid. And like now there's absolutely no malice. The first in it. line of it. It's just like out of the gate is so silly. What is that? I'm a poo poo. I'm, I'm a, a poo poo train conductor. <laughs> well, I think too, like I, I had been like seeing people say poo poo and pee pee on stage all the time. And I was like, oh, I hate it. And then like a year later, like I started saying it, I say it as, as whenever I can. Now I love seeing poo poo pee pee. Um, so it's just like, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's really weird. It's so funny. Uh, I mean, the we just we just uh, were at um, the best actor in town. Yeah. At the same time, there was a whole the longest sketch in the show was about Pupu Pupu. Yeah, and uh, Meg, I think it was Meg Johns told me she. I never asked anybody uh, in the cast about it, but Meg Johns said something to the effect of uh, she thinks that they did it on purpose as a jab to Mick. Because he hates potty humor so much that they're just like, watch us do the longest scene in our show about Pupu and Pee Pee. Yeah. <laughs> what I think too, like, there, it, it's interesting now, stuff like that. Like, there seems to be ulterior motive and more things going on. Like, mm-hmm. that show I, was like one of my favorite shows I've seen it the whole year. Great. So it good. was absolutely great. But it was one of those things too where I think it's like, it's not anti comedy. You know, it's like, it's both comedy and anti comedy. It's both, they're both like sending up theater and acting while also. Actually, doing good theater and yes. giving great performances. Yes, you that's know? a great assessment. So, so I think it's like hitting both of those things. Um, and with the, that, that sketch too, there's a there's a they're self aware about it, as mm-hmm. opposed to like I think the mentality of like let's do the stupidest thing we can because it's so funny, as opposed to like we know this is really stupid. We're deliberately doing this. Yeah, you know, like they're, that's they're, a really really important differentiation. Yeah. like when I was watching a lot of not liking it, I think it was like because there's no self awareness, you know, mm-hmm. or like um, no or, angle on it, or a crutch. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's that's really that's really important, and uh, it's I think I get that way. With anti-comedy, not necessarily where, like, poo-poo pee-pee is concerned, but <laughs> um, more where just, like, going absurd for the sake of being absurd sure. is concerned. Um, which I know is, is shades of the same thing you were saying. Uh, so we've talked about the fact that um, Robert Frost is one of your favorite poets. Uh, do you have any other favorites that you would feel remiss to not mention? Um, yeah, well, I mean... Um, uh, yeah, I mean... The other thing I think I should talk about too is that like, yeah, um, please. If there's anything else that you that I haven't that we haven't naturally hit, go yeah. Go for well, you. my grandmother was really into poetry, and we really didn't have that very good of a relationship. Um, just we're not close, and it was kind of contentious. Interesting. Um, for a long time, and then when I started to write more and more poetry, 
like in the past couple of years, she was big into poetry and a poet. And then for her birthday this past winter, I got like a moleskin and I transcribed all my poems into it and gave her like the anthology of Steve Nelson as That's today. really cool. Yeah. Uh, Did she appreciate it? She absolutely loved it. And oh. it's kind of like given us a connection that we have never had before. That's awesome. Yeah. How cool. It's great. And then and Did then, she ever write anything or share anything yeah, with so, you? Yeah, so then that sparked and I'm like, I would really never talk to my grandma. I wasn't we weren't mean to each other or anything, yeah. but like you we just, just didn't, didn't talk. have a relationship. Yeah, and it was like she she was like kinda of weird when I was growing up and so that was kinda of like, okay, cool, like once I'm old enough we're not really gonna <laughs> gotcha. talk. Gotcha. But then she sent me some thank you card, you know, like telling me how much she like which ones she really liked. And, you know, like sent like a haiku that she wrote. And then so ever since then, we've been corresponding. So it's been like almost a year now of like every month I'll send her the four or five poems that I've written that month. And then like, you know, check in letter and then she'll, you know, like send me back some clippings that she saw or like she sent me a couple of books um, of like how to write or anthologies that she liked or stuff that she's writing and stuff like that. Man, how great is that? It's really awesome. So, and I'm sure it was like so unexpected for you. I was shocked. You know, I mean, I knew that she would like the gift, but I had no idea that it It would turn into this thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, And so she turned, she turned me onto a lot. Uh, That's so cool. Yeah. And things that you weren't already familiar with. I mean, names that I'd heard, but never really delved into. Because again, I mean, even now having a pretty good sense, I feel like of what I like and what I don't like, you know, I mean, like there's just names on a bookshelf, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, uh, but Billy Collins is like her favorite poet. Um, so I really like him a lot. Mary Oliver, she sent me uh, a couple things by her and she's like very much about nature and stuff like that. And it's like, none of it rhymes. It's kind of, you know, more kind of uh, narrative uh, a little bit or, or whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll read sure. a couple things. How much, how much, what time are we at? Um, we're at like an hour 30, I think. Okay. So, yep, almost exactly. Um, We've definitely got time. Okay. Not, not loads, but time. <laughs> um... I was going to mark this, but I... No worries, man. Um, you are already I, so prepared with all the things you printed out and yeah. such. Uh, and the clips. Yeah. That's great. Well, I feel like if we're going to talk about poetry, i got to have poetry in it. Yeah, now. yeah. That's uh, a fair point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is one of Mary Oliver's. Three things to remember. As long as you're dancing, you can break the rules. Sometimes breaking the rules is just extending the rules. Sometimes there are no rules. I love that. I totally love that. Yeah, she's awesome. And, oh, yeah, a lot of it's, like, I think she, like, lives on, you know, a house in Colorado in the mountains and stuff. So a lot of it's about the mountains and nature, and it's, like, really cool. Um, So it's one of hers. One of Billy Collins's that I really like. I'm trying to find it really fast. Are these, um, like, contemporary poets? Yes. So they're both living. They both seem like very new anthologies. This is one of the reasons that I asked. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, lives in Colorado. He, I don't know where he lives, but they're both still alive. They're older. They're probably like 50s, 60s. It's cool, though. I mean, I just feel like that's something you don't really think about. Poetry seems like something, and maybe it's just 
this is just me being someone who's never really had a distinct interest in it. Uh, but it seems less like in the zeitgeist at any given time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it seems like an antiquated or old thing, right? And then the there's no real exposure for modern poets poet. unless you're in, you know, kind of in the know, right? Like it's something you're actively interested in, actively seeking out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a poet laureate every every year, but oh, huh. Um, but you don't. I don't yeah. think there's much exposure. I would never have even known that there was a yearly poet laureate. Yeah, uh, this is one of Billy Collins. <clears throat> no time. In a rush this weekday morning, I tap the horn as I speed past the cemetery, where my parents lie buried, side by side, under a smooth slab of granite. Then, all day long, I think of him rising up to give me that look of knowing disapproval, while my mother calmly tells him to lie back down. That is also so great! And I feel like a great example of... uh what we were talking about earlier being inspired by a moment yeah. that you find a way to describe. Yeah, or to heighten it or yeah. 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 Gorgeous. That's I love both of those. Yeah, are great. I could totally see why you, <laughs> yeah. why you get got into them. Uh let's see, the other poets. Uh Frank O'Hara. I just my a friend of mine who lives in Richmond, uh, he got me this poetry collection because he knew I like poetry a couple of years ago and I didn't pick it up until like four months ago and it was like such perfect it was almost like so perfectly timed that I had waited for a while that long yeah, yeah to be like in a in a place where I was like could really appreciate get into it more um, but yeah I re- but he's like some 70s not beat you know more, but more kind of I wouldn't say psychedelic either but more but like a 70s po- poet I mean I don't really know how to describe him but he's really good I like him a lot um I think that's really it that I can name. You know, I As I have a lot specific. of yeah anthologies that I like to go through and highlight and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to read a couple of my, these are all my poems. Please. Um, well, as far as like the romance thing, I would say like I've only written a couple things about it. Most of them, not really uh, about like oh I love this girl or whatever. But this is like a breakup poem that I wrote. I think the only one. It's called You Spoiled Ice Cream. That night, we shared a pint of peanut butter pie. We swore off sweets, our final treat, turned into our goodbye. Since then, I haven't eaten that icy, cold dessert. It's banished from my palate and doesn't prod my hurt. I doubt you gave up ice cream, gelato, sherbet, or sorbet. I hope that it reminds you of the past now gone away. That's great. I love that. I think that's a great example of being able to use those familiar, like, structures and, uh, like, rhyming schemes and it still being interesting and not tropey, at least. Yeah, I had a a real problem with, like, I wrote about nature a lot at the beginning and then I couldn't rhyme at all. Or, like, (laughs) rhyming was so hard. Mm -hmm. And then I, like, got into this mode where I rhymed all the time and I couldn't break out of it. And so I feel like now I'm in kind of an in-between. Back or forth. Yeah, place where I feel, I feel like, okay about it. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, let's see. Which one do I want? Uh, I wrote this about the upstairs gallery. Really? Mm. <clears throat> a movement is what it's called. 
Ascending a stack of stairs, anticipating judging glares. Relief like a light snow, a bed rich for the coming grow. A movement goes a distance, then stops. Its memory a persistent throb, but spirit ever lingers, unextinguished flaming cinders. That's awesome. And so... uh all-encompassing i think and i totally agree with you about the the sentiment of that yeah because you can totally i think everyone was kind of afraid of like what the what the gallery closing would like do yeah but it's still i mean you have to have written that relatively recently it was right after it closed like oh really yeah really but uh but yeah, the the spirit of it and the like community that was built there is like very much alive and well. Totally. In my estimation. Oh, I totally agree. Which is cool. And what a great uh dedication to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's such a great place. That's awesome. That's um, really awesome. I'm gonna read I wrote one about the fall or about the cold last year. I'll read one of them to give you a, like a nature one that I. Read. Okay. Um, you pick the. Uh, read the fall one. Okay. I don't want to think about it. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> uh, it's called Middle West. Swaying stalks rasp and rustle. Hard husks hang, plump for plucking. Timid tassels whine and whisper. Fields of corn, dry and golden. Stretch for miles like an earthbound ocean. Love it. Love all the alliterations. That's why I go through phases too, where I like. Where you like alliteration perfectly. Well, I like can't stop myself. Really? You know, like, yeah. It's so satisfying. I I think alliterate. I mean, all any sense of structure I feel like can be satisfying. Well, that's the thing too that I found too is like once you have some ability, you know, or like once you feel okay with your skills, you can kind of play up those things. Mm -hmm. So I can go to be like, oh, I like these two words together. I'm going to try to have alliteration for every line of this thing. And plucking. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And see if it works, you know, Um, as opposed to like worrying about like, is this poem going to work? You can kind of like, that's great. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I would imagine that it's just like any other art form, especially improv, learning all the tools and And see where you can stretch and then actually being able to apply them and into something that you want to say Yeah, (laughs) in an interesting way. Uh, I'll just read one more and I'll be done with reading. Please. Uh, I don't want you to feel like you can't read oh, no. as many as you want. No, it's okay. Uh, I try to get, print out a bunch so I could have like options. Options? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but this one, uh, this is about friendship, but it's, yeah. So I was going to collaborate th- with this person, but then it like, didn't work out. It fell through. So this is about that. It's called In or Out. Emotions rise with questions of commitment, strung out and spread thin. Chewing schedules, battling ifs. A friendship hangs on the weight of a decision. Tears, fears, and panic, soothed by time and reflection. Present, an inevitable selection. Friends still, both with relief, a collaboration not meant to be. Love it! That's great! Ah, I love that, man. It's so... I feel like I'm glad that that's where it landed. You know, after talking so much about like what you like about it and why you appreciate 
um, all these different facets of it. What an interesting thing to be able to experience some things that you've actually done that you like. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thanks for letting me read it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for wanting to share it. Do you mind if I link to your um, blog? Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll absolutely do that when I post it in the notes. Yeah, I think the other thing I wanted to say too is that um, Brunlieb asked me to come do Quenchers back in June or July, and that was like the first I'd ever read my poems. Interesting. And it was like so really opened up doors. I felt like cool. And that, like. I think just spitballing or quenchers and, you know, Monday nights in general, is just like such a wonderful place to go and experiment and try new things. Like so, always such a great audience and receptive to like whatever. And like most of these aren't fun. I mean, I have like anti-comedy and anti-comedy too. Those are like f- the, my two funny poems out of 150. That's so funny. Uh, but even so, like people are like very, like, I was like very scared to go read them. Really? Uh, yeah. And then it, you know, it went like really, people seem to be very appreciative of it. It seems like that would be a good house for it. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. also I never felt like, um, I always felt like it was really cool when you shared it before this, that annoyance yeah. run and it never felt out of place there either. I don't think. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what I learned doing it first at Quenchers. At Quenchers. Was like, was like, Oh, this is, you know, you pick the right piece uh-huh. and, it, and it can fit, you know, cool. That's um, really cool. Um, well to, I mean, we've obviously talked about this a lot because, especially because it's such a, you know, creative endeavor. Um, but how do you feel like your love of poetry has influenced you both creatively and, uh, your life in general? Yeah, I think, you know, creatively, but it, I mean, it kind of feeds both, mm-hmm. you know, they're not necessarily uh, separate. Exclusive. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like writing poetry and having the thing to, it's like a good thing to have a specific thing that's given me discipline mm-hmm. uh, and given me. Oh gosh, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Where this specifically is concerned. <laughs> yeah. And having that structure to be like, I'm going to write a poem a week regardless. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then also through that, having some facility or feeling like my facility with language is broadened mm-hmm. so that like, I feel like I can be sometimes more articulate or turn a phrase if I'm doing improv, for example. Oh, sure. And, yeah. And certainly, like, because I have a fluidity with writing poetry, that absolutely translates to a fluidity of writing sketch or a narrative script. Yeah. Um, because, like, now writing is not a chore at all. If I have an idea, I can sit down and write it. Um, and there's no, like, uh, oh, I don't know, feel like it or I, like, I'm not sitting in front of the computer, like, whatever. I mean, it may not be very good, but I know how to also know how to go back and revise now. Sure. Uh, and I think the other thing, and again, it's not necessarily because of poetry and relates to other things, it's kind of both and, but, like, seeking out those things of inspiration, being cool. more aware and training myself to find things and being like, Oh, I want, I want to highlight this thing yeah. or this is exciting or interesting or funny. You know? Yeah. And yeah. being able to see those moments as opposed to like, I feel like at the beginning when you're trying to figure it out, you expect, or at least I did, you know, like you expect it to come to you. Yes, you know? absolutely. And if, and if you're doing that, I think you're missing out on a lot or your, your output isn't going to be very high. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just like waiting for, to be inspired as opposed to actively seeking inspiration and mm-hmm. looking for it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Nice button. No, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll... All totally relatable. And of course those things, it's funny, um, yeah, thinking about how that, whether you're seeking it, uh, 
for the purposes of writing or vice versa, whether the writing is what makes you look differently. It's probably some of both still, even at this point. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been so great. This has been so wonderful. Thank you so much. It's great. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Steve, I love you and I mean that. I love you too. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.